0: Welcome to the 6AM Run podcast. My name is Mark Paisant. I'm an avid runner, a certified personal trainer, a a. 6AM Run ambassador, and host of the show. Be sure to head over to the website, 6amrun.com, to sign up today to get 20% off of your first order. Now, let's start the show. Hello. Welcome back to another episode of the 6 AM Run podcast. I'm your host Mark Paisant. Always a pleasure to have you a part of the show. We got a good one for you today. But as always before we get started, this show is brought to you by 6AM Run and 6amrun.com. Head over to that website to sign up to get 20% off of your first order. So today we have Dr. Matt Archer, or I might just call him Matt. I might call him Doctor Archer. Make sure I ju- I, I make sure I, I call people by the the right name and pronounce it correctly. But I, I believe I'm I'm saying it right. But we have a very good conversation with him today. Matt, thank you so much for being a part of the show. Why don't you go and just introduce yourself for our audience?
1: All right, thanks, Mark. Uh, yeah. So I am a chiropractor, which I always qualify by saying, you know, I don't do a whole lot that looks like chiropractic and I'm generally in the realm of um, addressing the underlying internal issues that cause the patterns of muscle weakness that chiropractors adjust over and over. And when we can identify the internal issue that addresses that muscle weakness, we resolve things like neck pain and back pain and headaches but also internal components around digestion and inflammation and hormones and all sorts of other things. So um, the reason or or kind of the the pathway that got me here was that um, in junior high school, uh, my mom, uh, when I was in junior high school, my mom became a chiropractor and she uh, stumbled into a technique called applied kinesiology, which... um, fair number of doctors use. um, It's manual muscle testing, pushing and pulling on arms and legs while people taste foods or touch reflex points or taste supplements or things like that. And um, so even though she helped me quite a bit over the years with that technique, When I finally decided that I wanted to be a chiropractor and I was in chiropractic school and studied with the the International College of Applied Kinesiology, uh, early on in that course of Applied Kinesiology or AK, um, I put my hand up and I said, you know, this muscle testing doesn't seem very clear. And don't you think we ought to set a clear baseline first and see strong versus weak? with any good, healthy, strong muscle before we start trying to get all these far out answers about all these other things. And, um, so the teacher didn't like me very much, but he did give me some interesting answers. And, um, the thing he said was that he said, well, there's, there's people who say that we should weaken when we touch this reflex point in between the eyebrows. Uh, but there's a bunch of things that can interfere with that, but you might try and figure out what that is." And I was like, okay, that seems like as good a place to start as any. And it took uh, it took quite a few years to sort out, it took the help of my mom, it took humility on my part when I was working with a patient and I'd be like, uh, I can't test you at all, I can't see anything strong versus weak, do you mind if I bring my mom in? <laughs> So um you know those were some awkward uh, first couple of years but I've been in practice for 20 years now and um it took some years to get my protocol dialed in but in the last 7 or 8 years the results are so consistent so clear um I don't think there's anything else available in healthcare that really compares. And, you know, again, I'm I'm shy about saying that because I don't want to sound like a jerk, but I really think I've stumbled across some pieces uh, through taking a skeptical approach to manual muscle testing that takes answers about causative issues around our health from from the realm of subtle or... Kind of impossible there's a lot of things that are impossible to, to find with laboratory testing there's a lot of incredible blind spots in laboratory testing we can talk about those as we go but um the testing that i do it's stupid obvious i mean i'll you know i can put a power lifter on the table i'd love to do a video where i go into a gym i work with a series of five or six big strong guys and Within five minutes we can establish a baseline for muscle testing where I can put all of my weight on say their leg when it's straight and turned out to the side. I can put just about all my weight on that and then have them touch that reflex point between their eyebrows. I'll literally use one finger and I'll say, you push first, are you pushing? And then I'll just gently increase pressure and I'll beat that same leg with, you know, five pounds of pressure. Sometimes it's a half pound of pressure. Sometimes maybe it's seven or eight pounds of pressure, but we're talking a huge, huge change. And it's not about timing, which most muscle testing is about timing. And it means if, if the practitioner pushes too quickly, the person on the table will appear weak and then you're not getting very very clear answers. And it was in that subtlety of the timing when, and I, you know, like I don't discount, the whole field of applied kinesiology there's there's an amazing foundation there there's a lot of practitioners who use it um and there's clearly people who get fantastic results with it my criticism is that it never seems to end there always kind of seems to be another supplement and the next meridian to treat and it kind of goes on and on like that but um that's not how it is in my practice like um i tell people look if you can hang in there with me for eight weeks, follow up a few times over the course of eight weeks, by the end of eight weeks, you'll know beyond a shadow of a doubt that you've you found something that truly gets uh, to the source of your health issues.
0: So, and and thank you for going um, in depth with that because I have, uh, I have a couple <laughs> questions that popped to mind immediately. The first is, I mean, when other people in your field hear these things because we understand how much money people can make in the healthcare field, we understand how much money companies can make in the healthcare field. And a lot of time it's all about mitigating pain. It's all about managing pain. It's all about managing, you know, um, any any diagnosis you have or or any symptoms that you have rather than, ding 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 getting to the root of the problem and healing that or fixing that or whatever term you want to use like are you i mean do people and and and, you know i don't know you personally but do some people fight back against what you're saying and either don't believe it or believe that they can't make money doing it
1: well sure um yeah so i mean um I have to agree that so far it's it's not a it's not a phenomenal way to make a living, <laughs> you know. I mean, um, I get people come in with really complicated conditions, and sometimes after three visits, they're like, "Oh my god, I'm all better and thanks so much," and then like maybe I don't see them again, or or maybe they follow my advice and they come by once a season, but. Before long, they're like, you know, I just know what to do to keep the symptoms from coming back. So I think I got it from here. And it's like, yeah, yeah, that's kind of the way it should work. So I don't fill my practice with people who I'm seeing once a week or once a month or whatever, forever and ever, because to me, that just seems like a system that's not working. Um, so the other problem is I, I live in a small town, so we're like super saturated here with alternative health and so it it is a little hard to be heard i mean i've 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 certainly got a great follow i mean there's there's people who know you know like hey if you do international travel and you get sick and you got parasites and you don't know what to do like hey he always wins like we can always take care of that that's great um or people who just refer for various things. I mean, I've got somebody who sent me, a, you know, 130 patients over the years. You know, it's like sometimes referrals are great. And that's pretty much all I rely on because, like I said, I haven't I haven't figured out how to really advertise effectively. Um, so uh, let's see. Eh, maybe maybe I'll let you follow up on that question. I'm, I'm not sure where to go.
0: Yeah, <laughs> no, I, I think you did a good job. And you're I mean, I. You know, one of the things that I, as, as long as I've done this show and and more and more, I'm I'm I love to get different perspectives and, and I love to get people coming in because there's someone listening to this show that's tried everything uh, in, in their opinion. They've tried everything. And it's like, I'm never going to get past this, this gut issue or I'm never going to get past this, um, uh, you know, low energy or I, I can't sleep like insomnia. And, you know, I've I, and they've gone to the doctors they've taken this supplement they've, they've 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 taken their health care knowledge or gotten it from TikTok which again I tell people please please don't, <laughs> don't get your your health care knowledge but with you being here and and with that great you know intro that you did what is you know just a very general question what is something that affects a lot of people i'll open it up to you affects a lot of people that people just I don't want to say they have it wrong they just don't have the right information. What is let, let's talk about diet for instance and, and and gut issues or intestinal issues like what is something that people get wrong about diet that you believe can be cured or not cured or, or helped assisted almost immediately or with little changes in their behaviors?
1: Um so yeah and and you were you were talking about, you know, the person who's been to everybody and, um, you know, it's, it's, it's too common that someone's been, that someone will say like, well, I've been to everybody else. Like, you know, or I've been to the Mayo Clinic. I've been to, you know, I've, I've got people who've been to all kinds of specialists all over the place. And then a few weeks later, they're like, seriously, this is working. And I went, I did all those things and, and it can be this simple. Um... So, yeah, yeah, it really can be this simple. Um, so, um, my book is The Protocol for Health, Seven Unexpected Solutions. And it's there on Amazon. And right on the back of the book, I list um, the seven the seven main solutions, the seven pieces that I see show up in people over and over and over. And so... Um, so to your question of like, what is this one thing that, that everybody's got that goes pretty well unrecognized? Uh, it's, you know, the gut microbiome. You know, it's like, everyone's talking about it. Every chronic condition and all inflammation is connected to the gut microbiome. And, um, and yet the solutions to it remain, hmm, not real impressive. Um, I mean, there's a lot of, there's a lot of different ways to help it. And it's great when, when people find anything that helps, you know, beautiful, if it's safe and affordable and it helps, then hallelujah. That's, that's great. Um, but I think it's very rare that people actually address the primary cause that the primary issue with the gut microbiome. So... My primary thesis and like the flowchart that I developed that summarizes this is there. Um, let's see, I guess it's not up on my website or anything, probably should be. Um, but, um, it, you know, the way, it, the way it appears to me, the, what I get to see over and over is that everyone is deficient in zinc. And um, there's a study that came out of some years ago in The Lancet that showed that when you increase atmospheric CO2, you decrease the ability of plants to uptake zinc. So I think that's one of the primary reasons the elevated CO2 in the atmosphere uh, means that since industrialization, none of our foods have as much zinc in them as they should. And there are certainly other factors that contribute to that problem, but I, I think that may be the primary driver. We need zinc for a whole bunch of really critical feature uh, functions like um, cell division, replication, and uh, all of our main senses. And so it's it's how we heal ourselves. It's how we repair our tissues. It's how we prevent cancer. Zinc absolutely makes sense as being in the middle of everything. And while you can test levels in the blood, you can't test if it's getting into the tissues where it's needed. And the amount that's needed is incredibly minute and we're supposed to be getting it in every meal and we don't get as much as we should. We need zinc to make stomach acid. I'm quite confident that everyone at this point has weak stomach acid. For some people it causes obvious symptoms, um, nausea, heartburn, um, you know, reflux, all that kind of stuff. Um, Other people are like, no, no, my digestion's great. No problem. I can eat anything. Well, are you truly absorbing the nutrients from it? Um, With my testing, it becomes really obvious that almost no one is adequately absorbing most critical nutrients, you know, like calcium and magnesium and B12 and all those kinds of things. But anyway, um, we need zinc to make stomach acid. So that stomach acid is really important for absorbing all those nutrients. That's another one of the seven pieces of solution, but more more specific to the gut microbiome is that weak stomach acid is what allows pathogens to, you know, that we swallow to survive the stomach acid, make it past the stomach and into the intestine. And once they get to the intestine, they've got a great place to live and a constant food supply, and we don't have a very good internal mechanism of kicking them out. things like probiotics and fermented foods, um, often help with those symptoms. Sometimes they make it worse. Sometimes they don't do anything, but if you have to keep adding beneficial bacteria to the gut, I'm quite confident it's because there's something in the gut that keeps killing it off. So it's not about introducing, you know, inventing new and weirder ways to to introduce beneficial bacteria you know it's fecal implants okay nifty that that helps some people but i think it ought to be simpler than having poop inserted into your intestines someone else's poop for that matter so um chronic intestinal infection is something that I think almost everyone has at this point, and I don't think it was that way even even five or 10 years ago. I used to test a fair number of people who I was quite confident didn't have intestinal infection. Now I haven't seen anybody for a couple years who who I didn't think uh, had that. Um, It can be cleared easily with three weeks of some special digestive enzymes taken three times a day away from food so that rather than those enzymes helping you to break down your foods, they're breaking down the fat, protein, carbohydrates that make up the defensive structure or whatever it is that's living in the gut that shouldn't be there. And um, it basically always works. I've, I've done this with chronic Lyme disease, I've done this with Giardia, weird stuff from the tropics, large visible worms that people were reporting in their stool, uh, as well as just SIBO and Candida and the normal you know, things that most people have, and it basically always works. Um, so that, that one piece is, um, that's the first solution of my book, is strengthen stomach acid, clear intestinal infection. Uh, the cool thing is, is the enzymes that we use to clear the intestinal infection, those also get absorbed in the blood. All that blood in the, in the gut goes immediately to the liver, there those enzymes also soften the contents of the liver and the gallbladder so you accomplish a liver and a gallbladder cleanse in a slow gentle easy and deep effective manner um it's it should be a comfortable easy process if if it makes anybody uncomfortable you just pause it and slow it down and it's you know it can be a little tricky to to manage it um so my book is designed so that an ambitious do-it-yourselfer might, might attempt it, and it's a lot easier to do with my guidance. But there it is, there's that first piece that I, I think, uh, you know, and again, there's, there's laboratory tests, you know, to, to test for the gut microbiome, and there's thousands of things that are normal to find in the intestine, and if you're comparing people to some healthy normal average, where is that healthy normal average if, if basically everyone has intestinal infection? So how do you how do you actually develop a laboratory test when everyone's got it and you're comparing everyone to everyone else? So there's a long answer.
0: <laughs> no, it's it's fine, and and I loved it. And you know, there's there's two. The, the first question, I have two questions for you specifically in regard to that. One is as you're talking, I know a lot of people are listening and saying, okay, let me run to the store and grab a zinc supplement. Let me run to the store and grab a multivitamin is that is that the answer
1: yeah not not really um the problem is once we have weak stomach acid zinc is damn near impossible to effectively absorb in a manner such that we can truly get it into the tissues and um so accomplishing that involves strengthening stomach acid at the same time boosting stomach acid so Plenty of people in alternative medicine use betaine hydrochloride or HCL, um, as a, as a digestive aid. And a lot of people see that it's, it really is the solution for heartburn. Um, and it's weird that adding more acid actually makes heartburn go away, but, but heartburn is caused by weak stomach acid and, and stuff sitting in the stomach for too long. And that's what causes the burning. Um, so, so you've got to boost stomach acid at the same time as taking zinc. And it's, it's, it, again, it's kind of tricky to get that right. It's tricky to get the right supplements that don't have junk in there that are working against you. Even when you're using the brands that are the supposed premier brands, um, I find there's, uh, I can't use most products that, that most companies make because most, Products contain corn and soy, and most people are actually reacting to corn and soy, which is the second piece of my protocol. Most people with significant health issues are reacting to the four main subsidized foods in this country, corn, dairy, soy, and wheat. So um, anyway, it's hard to find the right supplements. Uh, Yeah, the studies on multivitamins show they, they don't work. They're made from synthetic chemicals that they call vitamins that are usually made from GMO, corn, and soy. So I don't think those work, um, and um, and the enzymes are are tricky to get right. But again, they're they're laid out in my book, and, um, and and like I said, an ambitious do-it-yourselfer could do it. Now, for some people, if you just clear intestinal infection, it's a miracle and everything's awesome. And for other people if we don't put together all seven of the pieces carefully they're waiting they're going it's not working it's not working it's not working and then finally we get the final of the pieces locked in and they're like oh shit that totally works (laughs) so um you know I just have to make it a mantra with my new patients I'm like look This is an eight week process. It's a process of discovery. I don't get to know what's the most important missing piece for you. I just know that we can identify all of them and clear them as long as we get to follow up with you a few times to identify all those pieces. You know, how much, how much acid does a person need to boost with? I don't know. Like we just, you know, like, but the testing tells us if, if, you know, three tablets of our, of the HCL is enough on the second visit. It's obvious if it's not enough, it's obvious. If it's not enough, we increase until it is enough. Some people have to go to surprisingly large quantities. That's a bummer. And you got to be careful with that because it's acid. And so, you know, you have to trust how you actually feel. And like, if it doesn't feel right, it's not right. You know, it's like, so it is, um, it's a tricky thing to manage on your own.
0: And if you if you've listened to this show before, which I'm sure a lot of you have, if you go back a couple shows to, to Josh Deck from the Reverse Able podcast, like everything you just said about um, heartburn and acid, it was because that was the first time I was hearing it in regard to adding the the, the stomach needing more acid, and set, and people, I, I think people have this, and and we talked about and Please go back and listen to that show because Josh is a He's a great guy, a lot of good information, holistic nutritionist. Um, you know, people pop um, antacids, Tums, they, they, they pop that. And, and um, I tell people all the time like that, that might be good for the symptoms today or tomorrow or for, you know, a week or so. But if that's something you're doing constantly for a long period of time, that there's a, a larger underlying issue there and you need to get um, checked up. Now, I am not a doctor. I'm not a physician, so please don't take, I will not give any advice, but that's why I bring people like Dr. Matt Archer. And my second question, that, and, and, you know, I don't, I don't really mean to stay on the same topic, but it's, there's so much there because you've talked about the diet and I mean, you know, little D diet, not, big, or excuse me, big D diet, not little D diet. So uh, the diet of the individual, like, we all know, like it's obvious that the average diet, the the normal diet of the, and we could talk about the American, um, you know, the North American um, person has changed throughout the years. I mean, we've gone, there, there's a lot more people, you know, we've gone from a, that, that carnivore paleo diet. We've gone away from that. There's more pastas getting introduced. There's more processed foods. There's more sugars getting, there's no, there's more things that. Uh, of course, preservatives, and, and listen, I am not diet shaming anyone. I understand there's people in communities that um, that live in, in places where they have to buy the processed foods to eat because it's the cheapest thing. I'm not diet shaming anyone. However, in those cases where someone has the ability, they, they have the money, they have the resources, but they become addicted to sugar and they become addicted to the processed foods. And now they're coming in with gut issues and now they're coming in with skin issues and now they're coming in with insomnia and things like that. Like, is that what we're seeing is a lot of the stuff we're seeing now based on how the normal diet is changing for the normal human being.
1: Uh, Yeah. Yeah. I would say for sure. Um, So, um, Let's see, yeah, I mean, I think it goes back to the invention of agriculture, you know, so I think ancestral health as a, as a goal and low-carb paleo diet makes a lot of sense. Um, you know, there are, there are chemicals in, in plants, in, in vegetables uh, called phytates that are known to interfere with our ability to absorb zinc. So when we invented agriculture, we started eating more plants. So that was, you know, what was that 10,000 years ago maybe. So, um so it started all the way back then. And then as stomach acid gets weaker, um weak stomach acid makes proteins more difficult to effectively digest. And so that's why a lot of people end up turning more to carbohydrates. They say, oh, yeah, if I eat red meat, I just, I don't feel right. It's heavy. It, You know, it's no good. And I'm able to tell those people, hey, as soon as you can boost your stomach acid this way, it could be within the matter of just a few days, you sit down, you'll eat a big steak and you'll say, damn, that feels good. I want another one. So consistently, um, you know, if people want to eat red meat, we, we can get them to a place where they can. And I think before we invented agriculture, we ate primarily red meat. So, um, so yeah, I, I think um, I think that's all a problem. Now, also, uh, I get people who come in and they'll say, "No, Doc, I've tried taking the sugar out of my diet. I can't do it. I won't do it. I'm not going to do it." And I say, "Okay, cool, gotcha." um, let's do the pieces that we can do. It makes it harder for me to guarantee a result for you, but I know we can help. So let's, let's see how much we can accomplish. And often a couple weeks into taking those enzymes to clear intestinal infection, the person comes in and they're like, huh, you know, something has shifted. And I think I will just take the sugar out of my diet. And it's the trippiest thing. Um, same kind of thing with I mean, I've I worked with both adults and children um, who are super picky eaters, but it's most common with with kids usually. And so I've had I had a kid in my practice who was like, they would only eat cheese and pasta, like no blueberries, nothing. They ate cheese and pasta, and two weeks into the enzymes, all of a sudden. They're eating sliced raw turnips and chicken and broccoli and even blueberries. And like, that's such a cool thing to see. And I've seen it many times over or adults who are like freaked out by certain smells and totally freaked out by certain foods. like, it's often about this, you know, weird interaction in their gut. And I don't, you know, I don't understand how all that works. I just get to simplify it and see that, um, man, you clear the gut issue and all of a sudden, um, people can eat and they like food more and a healthy appetite returns and all those kinds of things. So yeah, it's, it's tangled up with a bunch of things. And of course, if we, eat I mean, even for me, if, if I eat too much sugar for a few days, which I do sometimes, you know, I, I still run the experiment of how much sugar can I get away with, you know, and, and once I get the the the, the spank down from it. I'm like, okay, that was too much. All right. Once again, I've learned sugar doesn't help me that much, but you know, I still love it. So, um, uh, if I eat too much sugar for a few days, then I wake up in the morning to my usual breakfast, which is a couple eggs and some good quality ham. And I'm like, Ooh, I don't really want ham and eggs. I want oatmeal, which is just a big freaking bowl of sugar. Cause You know, that's all you can really absorb that as, is, is sugar. Um, but if I'm eating reasonably well on a daily basis and walking or running to clear the sugar out of my blood, then I wake up in the morning and ham and eggs that I eat every damn morning is like, man, these ham and eggs are good, you know? So it, you know, that absolutely drives even, you know, my pattern of eating I eat sugar for a few days. Guess what I want to eat? (laughs) I want to eat more sugar. So, um, yeah, there's, there's so many ways that it, it ties in one way or another. I mean, if you're, blood sugar stability is another component of my, of my protocol. Um, eating frequent protein, not going more than three hours in the busy part of the day without protein. Um, allows us to keep our blood sugar super stable. That's the available energy for every cell in our body. So before trying to accomplish, you know, magical cellular healing, like let's make sure they got some energy to start with. Right. So, um, so you know, that's, that's the opposite of intermittent fasting. I'm saying like, Hey, if you keep your blood sugar really stable, cortisol levels go down and Um, healing gets better and the immune system gets stronger and a whole bunch of other good things happen. Um, when blood sugar is not stable, then elevated cortisol, um, suppresses digestion, suppresses stomach acid. So people wake up in the morning and they're like, I'm not hungry. I only have to eat one or two meals a day. I can go forever without a meal, you know, like, and like, I think we're supposed to have a good, healthy appetite. And, um, not eating is, is it's interesting that that suppresses the appetite, but it does that. Um, and it's, you know, again, it's great when intermittent fasting helps people. It certainly does. It helps a lot of people because if you have weak stomach acid, then you can't be eating protein three to five times a day. You don't have the stomach acid to do it. If you've got intestinal infection, uh, if you've got something living in the gut that shouldn't be there, I call it intestinal infection. Um... Then every time you eat, food proteins are getting into your blood because of the increased permeability of the gut lining, that's leaky gut. And so if food proteins are getting into your blood, there's an immune response, there's inflammation. So it's just considered normal at this point that we have an inflammatory response every time we eat. So yeah, go longer without eating and there's less inflammation or strengthen stomach acid, clear intestinal infection, and then you can eat frequently. And feel good and have good energy with it. So those things affect the appetite and and what we choose to eat as well. So it, there's so many different ways that it all, um, you know, one component affects the other, and we get to see that in a nice, clear way in, in my practice.
0: And you know, coming from a person who has done multiple 48 hour fasts over the last year <laughs> Come from a person who's done that i always wondered and i probably a google search would have would have helped always wondered i got to the 40 like 40th hour 42nd hour like wait i'm like ah i can't wait to eat i can't wait to eat and every every time i've done the fast i've gotten to 48 hours and i haven't been hungry like, I've had to force myself to, like... Because I knew, like, I've lost, like, seven, eight pounds in two days. I've only drank water. Um, I have decent energy. You know, energy goes up and spikes up and, and, and comes back down at some points. Um, you know, it, it does affect sleep. If you're going to do it, I'm, I'm going to tell you right now, it does affect you, your sleep. But I remember getting to 40 hours for... both, And one of them, I got to 49 hours because I just... I just didn't feel hungry and I was very surprised. But so what you just said, it's all, I mean, what, is it considered like just your, your, your body, like, it, you know, taking care of itself? Like it's, it's basically, it's making sure it does everything to survive. It's almost in a survival mode when you don't have food or calories for that long a period of time.
1: I don't know. That I don't get to know. I, I just get to see, I just get to see how it works. Um, I love
0: that answer. Oh, I love that answer. <laughs> I lo- I really love that answer. Well, there's like there, I mean, <laughs> there's plenty of I'm things sorry. that I
1: I really don't know the why behind because you know like I'm I'm not a researcher. I'm a clinician, and I get really clear information through a person's nervous system. So, you know, like I wouldn't know why. And I still don't really know why everyone is deficient in zinc. I just know that they are. And I've seen some studies that added up to make me say, oh, I'll bet this is why. But I I certainly don't know. And I don't know why damn near, well, everybody with significant health issues reacts to corn, dairy, soy, and wheat. I don't know why, you know. But yeah, we didn't really start eating those in quantity until we invented agriculture. And that might be part of the problem. So, um, yeah, I'm not always great on the wise. I just get to see.
0: No, oh, Hey, Hey, you know what? I, I appreciate someone who, who says that uh, I have a, <laughs> a, a, a new level of respect for you because of that. But oh. we've, we spend spent, we've spent a lot of time on the nutrition part of it. And of course, um, we, you and I both know, as most people know, there's, there's other components of this, whether we talk about recovery, which is in sleep, or we talk about staying active. So, From your perspective like you know i i'm a person that works out often i i i I, I like to take care of my body i like to to eat right um i like to i'm not even gonna lie to you and say i like to get enough sleep because i do not get enough sleep i know better than to to say that to you but if we flip to the like the the fitness side of it like in your perspective, in your line of work, like what are you know what are you seeing that people can can maybe add to their life that can help them live better if they just do this in regard to fitness.
1: Yeah, cool. And and just before we move there, in respect to fasting, um, I, I do absolutely believe there is a time and a place for fasting. Uh, I've done four day fasts, and you know like. Um, I've been there, and and I know that there's a lot of people that's part of their spiritual practice, and I think I think it's a beautiful and important thing. I think ideally it's done when we're not having to work or drive a car uh, or do stuff like that. When we can just like focus internally and and be in that space. So that's. And just, just to say that, I,
0: I, I will probably remember that if I ever try a four day fast because that is amazing. Yeah, that it is was, amazing.
1: It was, <laughs> it was intense, but it was super rewarding. Um, yeah, so exercise. So, one of the, um, the seven pieces of my protocol is um, sustained, low intensity, um, gentle aerobic exercise. And, um, I first got this piece about 16, 17 years ago, I read, um, Phil Maffetone's book. I don't know if you're familiar with him or not, but there's a lot of, um, uh, some, there's some top athletes like Mark Allen, you know, won the Hawaiian Ironman six times over, did it at 37. He credits Phil Maffetone for how he went from being a mediocre triathlete to, you know, maybe one of the best in history. And, um, in general, uh, you know, like what he says and, and what I now, uh, you know, what I practice and what I, uh, walk people through is, um, making sure that there is that, that foundation of sustained low intensity aerobic exercise. So I find that you can get most of that from walking, 40 minutes, five or six days a week. When I first started doing it, I was running um, pretty frequently. And I was also teaching Ashtanga yoga, uh, you know, like athletic vinyasa, you know, strenuous yoga uh, that I would studied in India and was, you know, pretty invested in. Um, What I found when I put on a heart rate monitor and started trying to work it at lower heart rates, I think people usually call it like zone two um is that his his formula is more like 180 minus your age as a maximum heart rate minus another 10 points if you're dealing with any chronic issues or you're on a pharmaceutical or something. So that's roughly his formula. Um, so when I first started doing that technique, what I found was that even the day after a session of that Ashtanga yoga I had to run significantly slower or my heart rate would get too high. And it meant meant I had to go slower over a given distance and I was trying to get faster. And it became obvious to me that my, my yoga was a significant physical stress on the body because I didn't have the low intensity aerobic foundation that we were all designed for. Um, before we invented agriculture or even before we started riding horses all the time, we, we walked as a means of transportation and now we drive and we do a lot of short trips, you know, even, you know, a waiter or a carpenter might walk eight or 10 miles in a day, but short trips is not the same as steady, like what you would do as a means of transportation. So, um, so that, you know, this, Formula of Maffetones, and and again, what I do is to go to a pretty low carbohydrate diet, so the body switches over to efficient fat burning, and um, and stop most of your speed training and strength training. I cut out, I stopped teaching ashtanga, I stopped doing yoga, and I started just running with a heart rate monitor, forty minutes a day, five or six days a week, keeping my heart rate pretty darn low, and. Um, And it's when I did that, that finally my last symptoms cleared up. Chronic upper back pain that I'd had for years. And I used to get sick constantly, colds and flus from as young as I can remember until about 15 years ago, 16 years ago, something like that. So, so, you know, the, the little old lady who walks every day for 40 minutes or an hour, often gets away with a pretty crappy diet and lives to a pretty ripe old age, um, you know, better if you combine it with a good diet. But, but one of the reasons that I walk, um, you know, just about every day is that I process carbohydrates a lot better as a result. And I can see it in my patients, you know, like if, if a person's eating too many carbs or not getting enough low intensity, sustained aerobic exercise or getting too much anaerobic exercise, which can be just standing behind a cash register all day, or it can be pumping iron or Ashtanga yoga. Um, Any one of those three will stress the pancreas. It weakens the latissimus dorsi muscles, the lats, you know, the big muscles that uh, surfers and swimmers have. And when those muscles that pull down on the shoulder are weak, the opposing muscles in the upper back, the upper trapezius and the rhomboids will all tighten and contract. And cause the things that chiropractors adjust over and over and, you know, in chiropractic school in my 20s, my x-ray said, oh, you've got, you know, arthritis and you're going to have to get adjusted every day and it's never going to go away and blah, blah, blah. And I don't have that pain anymore. And I've got lots of patients saying the same thing. And stressed pancreas is one of the biggest reasons. And um, liver congestion caused by intestinal infection and leaky gut is the other biggest reason. So when we clear those two issues, people who've had chronic upper back pain for 50 years and were sure they knew what was causing it. It's my job. It's my stress. It's my position. It's my old injury. It's whatever, fill in the blank. And I'm like, yeah, well, we always clear it. So why don't we just try? And then we do. So, um, fortunately it worked that way with me too, because that sucked having (laughs) upper back pain all the time.
0: I, um, I am starting to um, really slow down on my run. One, I I'm, I'm, have this nagging knee injury, which I've just now pretty much cleared up. But um, it is so, I see, I'm, I'm 6'5", 235. So it's very, it's I, it's, I have to think about my heart rate keeping it low. Like it, it gets within, you know, two, three, four minutes of me starting my run. It's, it's jumping up there and i have to be very intentional about um about making sure that i'm i'm slowing down you know when i first started running and, and a lot of my running career i was like okay i got to get i got to get my numbers down i got to get faster i got to go further and and you know staying at 165 170 you know it's <laughs> i mean i was my heart was racing <laughs> at the end of uh these runs but i'm learning I do a lot more walking now. Um, but even when I walk, I'll be honest with you, even when I walk, especially if it's up a hill, like I creep up to 140, 150 pretty easily, pretty easily. Um, and that's something, but you're, I mean, what you're saying is that, and I, I think I can can regurgitate this for, for most people listening, is that these are all habits that we can we can start to adapt to and start to bring into our life. And, and um, what you're saying, and I'll be totally honest with you, Matt what n- none of what you're saying is like that outlandish like you're right. not te- you're not telling people that you know they have to go out and the the best way to 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 help their gut or to help their skin or whatever is you know once a month you have to fast for four days and, and then you have to eat this specific leafy food for for one week like you're not telling people that you're, you're, you're telling people that you know, as a, because of our diet, most of us have a zinc deficiency and, and, you know, there's a deficiency we have, I mean, we can talk about magnesium too. We can talk about that. We can talk about calcium. Like we can talk about, we, yeah, we can talk about so many things down the line. And then we can talk about what do we need to take, you know, by, by mouth, what should be topical? Like there's, there's so many things that we can talk about, but you're not, you're basically putting it in a way that's like, Hey, slow down your exercise, slow down your walking, you know, make sure that, you know, you're getting, you know, this type of diet, it's, it's nothing that's outlandish or it's going to break the bank, you know, um, no buzzwords and you're not trying to sell anybody, any type of, uh, you know, uh, uh, this, this medicine or this cream or this vitamin that you need, that's $300 a bottle. It's none of that. It's none of that. And I think people need to be aware of that. So I, you know, these are the type of shows that I think people, Well, I hope they need to hear every one of the shows that I do, but I I really like these. So, um, how else can people learn more about you? How can they get a copy of the book? Where can they find you online?
1: Um, let's see. First, I want to back up slightly because when you bring up knees, I, I, I got to put this out there. I mean, for a bunch of runners, this is critical. Um, Knees that are vulnerable to injury in the first place or hard to heal. Always, 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 um, that's about adrenal fatigue and adrenal fatigue. You don't fix by, you know, I, I mean, I've meditated two hours a day and I've never lived in a cave and I always try to get more hugs and, you know, I try to listen to more classical music and all that crap and I love all that crap, but that's not how you heal the adrenals, okay? It's not about eliminating all the stress from your life, man. You know, like, it ain't gonna happen, you know? So, the primary product of the adrenals is cortisol. And the primary purpose of cortisol is to elevate the blood sugar. And so, if you wake up in the morning and you don't have a protein breakfast and you start doing things, then you are demanding activity of the body And it's the adrenals that have to deliver on that by putting cortisol in the system. And the same thing happens with intermittent fasting. Um, If you have caffeine on an empty stomach, it's a stimulant. It tells the body to get fired up. You haven't put any fuel in there yet. It's the adrenals that have to deliver on that. From a medical perspective, you go more than three hours in the busy part of your day without protein. Blood sugar gets low enough. The adrenals kick in, put cortisol into the system. If the adrenals are having to keep you going, they're just little glands, you know, if they're having to make cortisol over and over and over because you don't have a healthy appetite because you have weak stomach acid and because you're relying too heavily on that caffeine or some other stimulant, then it's the adrenals that that deliver on that. Now, way back when, you know, like in the 60s, the, the founders of applied kinesiology said, hey... The adrenal glands have a neurologic association with the gracilis, the sartorius and the gastrocnemius. Those three muscles, all three of them cross the knee, two of them cross the hip. One of them crosses the ankle. Um, chronic knee pain is, that's always, always part of the issue. Um, it, it's phenomenal. I, I mean, I had Oshgood slaughters as a kid. I, you know, I've done a bunch of backpacking. I had to hitchhike out of some big backpacking trips. I had knee pain in Nepal. Um, I don't get knee pain anymore and I'm 53 and now I can go backpacking and I'm fine. And it's about blood sugar stability. Um, and so the, the, the difference that can make for a runner is, of course, huge. Um, but if you can't eat protein frequently because you don't have the stomach acid and you've got a bug in your gut, then how do you do it, all right? So anyway, um, sorry, I had to, had to share that piece. I,
0: I, I, pre- I appreciate that. I, I,
1: it's too cool. It's too predictable. Yeah,
0: yeah.
1: It's too predictable. Um, and not all of the correlations that apply kinesiology found do I totally agree with and, and confirm in my practice, but that one that's like a, that's a slam dunk. Okay. Uh, how do people find me in my book? So yeah, my book is the protocol for health seven unexpected solutions. Um, you know, it's, um, uh, the best way is to come to Nevada city and get one here in my office. Um, we're in Northern California in between Sacramento and Lake Tahoe. Um, uh, it's, it's also available on Amazon. That's more likely that People can get it there. Um, if you check out the reviews there, you know, there's lots of great reviews. People saying, hey, I had this for decades and now I don't. Um, same thing, my, my Google reviews, Archer Chiropractic is my practice. So uh, archerchiropractic.com is how to find my practice. I do work with people remotely. I can't do muscle testing remotely. I'm, I'm not a full-on freaking wizard. I just can get clear answers with people in person. Um so um but but I can start with people remotely and then if they can make a trip to Nevada City following up we can accomplish what we can't accomplish uh, in distance. Uh there's also the protocolforhealth.com is a website for my book. Um you know as I said I, I don't do much around social media and advertising. Um there's no big funnel I don't have, you know, the million email follow-up, automatic, blah, blah, blah. I probably should do at least some of that. I mean, it does help you know I exist. But um, anyway, those are the those are the best ways to find me.
0: Well, I will say this. If you guys head over to that website, theprotocolforhealth.com, the book is actually less expensive there than it is on Amazon. I know that because I just purchased my own copy during this show, and I look forward to reading it. Um, I look forward to, to passing it on. And, and I really, I, honestly... Doctor Matt, I'll be honest with you. Um, like I've never been on a, a show that I've recorded like this, and stuff made as much sense about me personally um, because um, I've been I've had this nagging knee issue for for over a year now, and I've been in physical therapy. I've I've you know gone to my primary care. I've gone to my ortho. And um, I can tell you right now, every morning when I go to the gym, I have coffee on an empty stomach. I do um, every day. When <laughs> every day when I'm when I'm really busy, like a day like today, uh, I barely eat during the day. And um, and I, I will tell you right now, I'm not a big carbs person. I'm I'm I I like to the meat. The meat guy I am that whether that be you know steak and eggs in the morning or or you know chicken and, and rice in the afternoon but I am um I'm very happy that we have crossed paths because there's some very um tangible things that I can do in my life that can possibly like what's the uh, honestly people listening I understand this show is is getting to come to a close but you know what's the worst that can happen if you make these simple changes um you know oh i i i still feel the same okay well we we try let's and and dr matt has talked about like it's one of those things where we're going to check boxes until we figure out you know what we need oh that wasn't enough you know acid let's go up a little bit and make sure but we're gonna measure it and we're gonna make sure that we're doing it the scientific way and the healthy way and um, making sure that, that people are heard and seen and that we get to the cause of these. So I appreciate you being on the show and I appreciate all the work that you are doing. Um, go to his website, protocolforhealth.com. If you're in his city, if you're local, look him up. He will help you out. Dr. Matt, it has been a pleasure to have you on the show. Thank you so much. I'd love to have you back at some point so we can talk more because there's so much more we could talk about. Actually, you know what? I'm going to have you back on. I'm going to say that right now. I'm going to have you back on. Right on. Yeah. (laughs) So um, thank you, sir. Uh, You take care of yourself and have a great rest of your day.
1: Yes. Thank you, Mark. And thanks so much for getting my book too. I really appreciate it.